Today on Church Public, an 80-year-old grandma is kicked out of the women's locker room at the YMCA because she didn't want to share it with a man. Monkeypox is now declared a national health emergency. What does that mean for us? Across the pond in the UK, a veteran was arrested for a meme that caused someone else anxiety. And DeSantis, the governor of Florida, fires a state attorney for not wanting to prosecute crimes. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, your host as always, and I thank you so much for joining me here today. Your time is valuable, and I want to honor that. We'll try to get through the news as briefly as I can, though sometimes I just talk more than I think I should. Anyway, there's just a lot going on, and I want to help you understand it. I want to help you understand it from a biblical perspective. This is current events from a Christian perspective, the best that I can do it. But of course, as always, and I try to say this a lot, I'm coming from a Christian perspective. You don't have to agree. You may not agree. And I always, always, always want you to head to the Bible with any questions. That is the ultimate authority, and you should go there too. I read it all the time, and you should read it all the time. You don't have to trust me on any of these things, but I'll try to steer you in that direction because that is the direction where we really find truth and authority. The rest of this crazy cultural world is just not going to give you that, though they claim to have it, and that's the difference. And that's what I want to help illustrate through some of these wacky stories that are happening in and around the world. So let's do that together. And if you haven't already, if you missed some previous episodes, you can get them at all the podcast places. Search for At Church Public on any of the uh, any of the areas, Spotify, Apple, etc. And I appreciate you subscribing. If you like this, like it. If you want to give it a five-star review, I really appreciate that. That really helps. And if this is helpful to you and you want to send it to a friend, that helps me as well. And hopefully it helps them. That's my goal. My my goal is helping you. My goal is helping your friend. My goal is helping whomever would want to listen because I'm not in this for me. I'm in this for you. I want you to understand what it means to follow after Jesus and live in the world but not be of the world, which increasingly is becoming more and more difficult to do. So let's get into some of the crazy stories of the day. All right, so today, actually, I don't even think I put this in my intro, but we have to talk about this, and this is Cracker Barrel, beloved Cracker Barrel. You know, I had a friend, and I don't know that he listens to this, but I had a friend, if you're out there, uh, you'll know who you are, but uh, I had a friend who would drive, I don't even know how many miles, like 200 miles, because there was no Cracker Barrel near near him, but he would make the pilgrimage to the Cracker Barrel to get the, I think it was the famous meatloaf there, um, and for some, Cracker Barrel is the quintessential like country food store. If you are not a frequent diner at the Cracker Barrel, let me set the stage. This is about as down-home country of a chain restaurant as you can get. They are about as famous for their meatloaf, as I mentioned, and gravy as anything else. So this latest announcement uh, made waves in the community. And the, the announcement that they gave in the community is that they are now going to <laughs> going to include the impossible sausage in their menu. According to WAPO, the uh, Washington Post, Cracker Barrel's country tranquility, this is reading from the article, was apparently shattered on Monday when the chain announced on Facebook that customers could customize their breakfast plate with a plant-based protein as a replacement for their traditional bacon or smoked sausage. (laughs) Cracker Barrel wrote, discover new meat frontiers, experience the out-of-this-world flavor of the impossible trademark sausage made from plants next time you build your own breakfast. (laughs) This is, I know, this is a crazy one to start with. But anyway, 
Again, if you've ever been to Cracker Barrel, you know it is the most down-home country place uh, other than like little hole-in-the-wall restaurants. I'm not I'm not throwing shade on those. I'm not talking about those. But you know that as a chain restaurant, Cracker Barrel is down-home country. Sure it is. And it's delicious and not very good for you. But who cares? Because it's delicious. I mean, that's kind of the point when you go and eat there. You want the down-home country cooking and you don't care what it does to you. <laughs> that's And I mean, right? It's delicious. And so you want it. So... Uh, here's the point that I need to draw on this story. There is absolutely no way, zero way on earth that this is market capitalism working. There is no way that the diners of the Cracker Barrel one day were in there and so many of them were in there that said, you know, this gravy and sausage and meatloaf and fried chicken is really good, but what I'd like, what I really need from you that you're not giving me is a fake plant-based sausage food. There is 100% no way that happened at all. Like, it didn't happen. There is no way that happened. The demand is not there for fake meat at the Cracker Barrel. I can guarantee you that. No one wants this. <laughs> no one wants this, much less the down-home cooking clientele of the Cracker Barrel. This is very clearly a push from some ESG-preaching globalist DEI director that wants you to not eat meat. Remember a couple of weeks ago where I, po I showed you a very famous celebrity and many other people saying, bugs are great, you should all eat them. This should be alarming for you. Why? Because if Cracker Barrel, the Cracker Barrel itself, is susceptible to not like getting rid of their meat for this meat-based alternative, who won't be? And that's kind of a problem. Like, Capitalism, of course, it can go to the edge and be bad because greed unchecked is bad. However, when capitalism works correctly and you do the best you can with your business and someone else does the best they can with their business, this is where you get the idea that a rising tide raises all ships because you're doing better and then your customers are doing better and then their customers are doing better and everybody is doing better. But when the diversity, equity, and inclusion people get in there and say, we're just not going to eat meat anymore and you need to push these fake veggie sausage thingies, that's not good for the people because they don't want it. I can almost guarantee that profits are not going to go up because of this. It's just not what people at the Cracker Barrel want, much less anywhere else. I'm sure you've seen these things popping up at all of the burger chains as well. You can get these Impossible Burgers. And sure, some people might be trying this and some people might be trying an alternative. And some people might not even be able to tell the difference. But why? Why would you need to do that? We have cows and they're delicious and we should eat them because they're delicious. Like, the, the fact that we have to invent things that seem like cows, uh, as one person pointed out in this article that I was reading, if I wanted a salad, I would order a salad. And by the way, personally, I like salads, and I will eat salads quite often. I have no problem with that. But when I want a steak, I kind of want a steak. This shouldn't be, uh, this shouldn't be concerning to people. Like, why is this not common sense? Again, it's just another of those wacky things. But the bigger point is... If even the organizations of Cracker Barrel and the like are susceptible, other organizations probably will be as well. Something to watch out for. All right, let's move on to the YMCA. Uh, and, and by the way, in full disclosure, I'm a fan of the YMCA. When I lived in the frozen tundra of the north for a while and you could not go outside because you would die at minus 20, minus 30, minus 40 uh, during the winter, right? The YMCA saved me and my family because we would go and swim there. And it was a wonderful place to go. But this latest story has an 80-year-old grandmother 
kicked out of the YMCA because she yelled at a man who happened to be in the women's locker room where little girls were undressing. Yes, you heard all of that right. Here is the story um, from the, uh, where is this from? From the post-millennial that an 80-year-old grandmother was banned from the YMCA after demanding a biological male, read man, leave the women's locker room where little girls were undressing. This is a terrible story, and more and more, we're seeing this kind of thing. Uh, of course, this happened in Washington State. I don't know what to tell you there. But this 80-year-old Washington State woman has been banned from using her local YMCA's public pool after she expressed discomfort with a biological male, aka man, in the women's locker room as young girls were undressing. She was in the shower when she heard a male voice and peeked out to find a biological male in a women's swimsuit engaging with little girls who were undressing. The man reportedly with the little girls from the day camp overseeing their bathroom activities, which, by the way, that seems like another terrible idea. Jamin, the name of the grandmother, said she had been showering after her July 26th swim at the pool when she heard a man's voice in the women's dressing area. She said she saw a man in a woman's swimsuit watching little girls pull down their bathing suits in order to use the toilets in the dressing room. In an email from the YMCA's marketing and communications manager, to the post-millennial, they said the staff member was not quote-unquote engaging with these girls, but rather escorting them to the dressing room, as if that were better. Oh, people. Let's continue on. According to the Port Townsend Free Press, Jamin, who had been in the shower when she realized what was happening, hidden behind the thin, sheer shower curtains, asked this person, do you have a, I'm going to censor here, male body part? The person... The man, dressed as a woman in a woman's swimsuit, said, none of your business, reportedly. Jamin, the grandmother, said, get out of here right now. So the response then is the YMC aquatics manager saying to the grandmother, you are discriminating and you cannot use the pool anymore and I'm calling the police on the grandmother. In an email from the YMCA's marketing communications manager, they said Jamin, again the grandmother, was not permanently suspended due to this incident alone, but rather due to, due to, quote, repeatedly violating the Olympic Peninsula YMCA code of conduct, specifically using disrespectful words and gestures towards YMCA staff or others and abusive, harassing, or other obscene language or gestures towards YMCA staff or others, end quote. To read through all of that legalese gobbledygook, what I hear in this, and you, you can go and read this article on the Post Millennial if you like to. It's on a couple of different sites as well as I was looking through it. It sounds to me like this 80-year-old grandmother knows a man is a man and a woman is a woman and a man does not belong in the women's locker room, period. So she probably, on this occasion and possibly others, said so. And this, according to the YMCA Code of Conduct, according to Washington State, apparently, is disrespectful and obscene to the man who was in the woman's locker room. This is the state of the world that we're in. You need to recognize this. Per Washington state law, quote, all covered entities, what that means is um, not entities as in persons, but as in businesses, etc. Washington state law shall allow individuals the use of gender segregated facilities, such as restrooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms, homeless or emergency shelters that are consistent with the individual's gender expression or gender identity. End quote. In other words, if you pretend to be a woman, though you're a man, you can go into any of the woman's places because I don't know what to say. Science? Biology? Those are out the window. So 
imaginary unicorns, whatever, whatever you want to say, that's why you can go in. And according to the article, the Y has not provided any dressing shower room options for women who do not want to be exposed to men who identify as women. <sighs> this is going to be a hard episode. <laughs> All right, let's continue on. Speaking of men and other men, I guess, I don't know, I don't know where to go from here, but this is a uh, we just have to talk about this because according to the Biden administration last Thursday, they declared that monkeypox was a public health emergency. And I thought that most people had understood what monkeypox is, where it comes from and all the above. But I talked to somebody yesterday who had no idea what it was. So I feel like I need to share again and I don't want to, but I feel like I have to. So according to the Washington Post, um, so let me back up. Monkeypox is a disease. It's a different kind of disease. So I'm going to read you, I'm just going to read to you from this Washington Post article. And this Washington Post article is titled as Monkeypox Strikes Gay Men, Officials Debate Warnings to Limit Partners. That is literally the name of the title on the Washington Post. You can go and read it for yourself if you really want to. The byline of the same article is sex is a major driver of global outbreak. In other words, the act of sex. But health officials and longtime HIV activists say calls for abstinence don't work. <sighs> We're just going to keep going on this article because, yep. So in San Francisco, which is an interesting place, let's just say, there were couple of weeks ago, thousands of gay men, this is according to the article, clad in latex, leather, and often much less, who partied along Folsom Street last, uh, this was a couple weeks ago, during the annual, this is what it's called, Kink and Fetish Festival, even after the city had just declared the monkeypox outbreak striking its gay community a health emergency, one day after the World Health Organization urged men to sleep with fewer men to reduce transmission, San Francisco public health officials made no attempt to rein in festivities or warn attendees to have less sex, or I would add, to not do that festival? According to the CDC, monkeypox has been spreading primarily through, this is according to the CDC, direct quote from the CDC to all of the social media people who are listening. Mon quote from the CDC, monkeypox has been spreading primarily through skin-to-skin -skin contact during sex among gay and bisexual men, public health officials say. Among 98% of patients who provided demographic information to clinics identified as men who have sex with men, according to the CDC. So... I really want to finish this story because I'm done with it. But let me get this straight. We spent, you and I spent, the better part of two years, and some places still have shutdown and, and lockdown orders. We spent the better part of two years shutting down schools, restaurants, bars, churches, many other businesses that have now permanently closed because of this government intervention. And the government forced us to wear a mask pretty much everywhere, and in many cases forced people to get a medical injection or lose your job. But now, a disease, according to the CDC, that is sexually transmitted between men who have sex with men and who have sex with numerous partners, cannot be told to stop having sex because that might stigmatize them. 
To say the West has fallen would be an understatement with this kind of perspective. Morality has been consigned to this mere consent, which we've talked about before, regardless of how debased your personal actions may be. No longer do we evaluate personal action and responsibility on what is right and good in itself. The standard has moved so far from any kind of morality, especially biblical morality, where you can do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do, to whomever you want to, unless the government tells you not to, then you get jailed or fired because you're stigmatizing or hurting someone's feelings. This is really a crazy world that we're living in, and it's pretty sad. And I would say too, get ready people, I think this crazy is just getting started. So now that we're in crazy town, let's go to England. So in England, a UK veteran a man was arrested for posting a meme. British veteran Darren Brady said the Hampshire police were, quote, impeding his right to free speech by tracking him down for reposting a meme featuring the LGBT pride flag arranged in the shape of a swastika. In other words, the LGBT pride flag was arranged in this quadrant uh, thing where apparently it looked like a swastika. He posted this. And in response to posting this on social media, this man, who is a veteran, was arrested. Why was he arrested? He was arrested because someone has been caused anxiety based on his social media post. Yes, that really is the reason he was arrested. Uh, according to, uh, let's see where I'm reading this from here. Um, according to the Federalist, um, this British veteran in viral footage of the arrest taken by political activist Lawrence Fox, who created the meme, officers tell the 51-year-old at his residence that someone has been caused anxiety based on your social media post. That is why you have been arrested. So clearly, and again, the meme was a swastika made up of gay pride flags. So clearly, the best way to disprove that the LGBT group is not tyrannical is to arrest old war veterans for posting memes. Let's hear what they had to say. Now, does which Hampshire police would realise how ridiculous this is? It is ridiculous. What did it need to come to? Tell us why you it to this level, because I don't understand. I posted something that he posted, you come to arrest me, you don't arrest him. Why has it come to this? Why am I in cuffs? Because of something he shared, then I shared. Because someone has been caused, obviously, anxiety based upon your social media post. That's not why you've been arrested. So, that may have been difficult to hear. I'll, I'll help you understand some of what was being said. Uh, and as always, if you want to see any of this, you can go to churchpublic.com slash podcast uh, and see the video. So, this man posted a meme. According to the police... That meme caused anxiety to someone, and that's why he's being arrested. And it's interesting to me that the police officer, who you can see is very defensive in his posture, if, if, you, if you watch the video, if you're just listening, I'll, I'll explain to you. He was very defensive in his posture. And he basically says, someone was caused anxiety based on your social media post. Of course we're coming to arrest you for that. Like, essentially, why would that even be a question? Of course, you caused someone anxiety. We have to arrest you for causing someone anxiety. What? Like, what? Really, what? Like, at this point, the crime is you, by doing nothing directed at anyone in particular, caused a random person anxiety, and that random person 
then gets to say, they caused me anxiety, so you need to arrest the person who caused me anxiety. This is a really bad precedent to set, to say the least. Officers claimed to be, quote, investigating an alleged offense under Section 127 of the Communications Act of 2003, sweeping law that gives the United Kingdom government the authority to imprison someone if officials deem his or her online posts, quote, grossly offensive or of an indecent, obscene, or menacing character, end quote, or if that poster makes an unknowingly, I'm sorry, makes a knowingly false post, quote, for the purpose of causing annoyance, inconvenience, or needless anxiety to another, end quote. See, that's a very broad statement and really a problem. How do you know what you post is going to cause to someone else? I mean, maybe you're a bully, maybe you're a bad person, but this is where we get to free speech. And you can say, sure, they have different free speech laws in the UK. I'm aware of that. But what we're seeing more and more, and I've posted again and again and again, is that on social media across the Western world, if you say the wrong thing, you get kicked off. For instance, James Lindsay, who has written several books about critical race theory, has recently talked a lot about the ideology of certain teachers in schools pushing rad radical LGBTQAIP uh, ideology through their teaching, has currently been per permanently suspended from Twitter because he posted things that apparently caused people anxiety and were deemed quote-unquote hate speech. Uh, my point here is this. This old social media suspension that's happening now I think will be the least of the problems when the authorities come to your door for posting something deemed a quote hate crime, or as we see in this case, something that causes quote unquote anxiety, whatever that means. And for more on this, because you're like, well, again, this is UK, different First Amendment laws or different freedom of speech laws, like they don't have the First Amendment like we do. Sure. Okay. I can grant you that. But just think about the Title IX story I brought to you in the last episode, where according to the Biden administration and the United States FDA. Uh, the schools now are going to be required to allow boys in the girls' bathrooms and locker rooms, etc., or the schools will not receive money to give lunches to needy children because the USDA will withhold funding. That seems, it, it appears, only the beginning. We'll see. We'll keep track of stories like this because these stories do matter. Because these stories tell us, do we have the ability to say what we believe or do we not? And if you say what you believe or if you say, for instance, Bible verses, are those going to be offensive? Just like we have seen in Canada uh, with, with, their, uh, with their rule number four, where if you do what they call, uh, quote unquote, conversion therapy, by reading scripture to somebody, you could go to prison for five years. It's a real thing. I haven't seen it enforced yet, but they could. So these are the things we've got to watch out for. These are taking over the West because they know that the truth is not on their side. Biology is not on their side. Natural reason, natural order is not on their side. So they have to make you agree with this because otherwise it doesn't make sense. And speaking of the truth, speaking of order, speaking of rule of law, let's go to this story because this is a really, actually a fairly good story. This story is about Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, who is taking aim at a state attorney and in fact fired a state attorney for not doing the job of a state attorney. 
So this is from, uh, this one is actually from Daily Wire. Um, so there is a district attorney, state attorney in Hillsborough County, Andrew Warren, that has pledged, promised everyone not to press charges against those receiving an abortion or their doctors. This comes in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court, handing the power down to the states on how to handle abortion laws. He said his focus is, quote, on prosecuting real crimes, end quote, whatever that means, but not prosecuting the crimes that apparently he doesn't want to prosecute. I don't know. DeSantis, as the governor of Florida, rightly points out, the state attorney does not get to choose what laws are laws and what laws they can enforce. So here's DeSantis. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not in individual state attorneys. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, uh, you have violated your duty. Uh, you have neglected your duty, and you are displaying a lack of competence uh, to be able to reform those duties. And so today, we are suspending State Attorney Andrew Warren effective immediately. This is good, and we need more of it. The power of the government is a tool for good or a tool for evil. DeSantis is removing prosecutors are trying to play king. They are trying to say what their job is and make their own laws. But that is not the role of the prosecuting attorney. The role is to look at the law and prosecute according to the law. They don't get to change the law. They don't get to choose what laws are laws. It's not their job. And instead of creating a rule of law that is helpful and blind, like justice is blind, it creates this dual law, this dual justice, where some people are charged with incredible crimes if they're certain Person, and some people are charged with no crimes if they're a certain person, based on whatever the prosecuting attorney decides on that particular day. This is not the this is not justice. This is not the blind rule of law where it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, how much power you have, what you look like, etc., which is how justice is supposed to be. I've said this over and over and over again, but again, justice is blind. Justice is supposed to be blind. Justice is blind for a reason, because blind justice allows people to be treated equally under the law, which is really important. Instead, what we're getting in many of these states, and I've brought these and we'll continue to bring these cases to your attention, these attorneys are deciding which they want to prosecute and which they don't. And sure, there's some purview in there, but they can't just wholeheartedly say, I'm not going to prosecute anything that comes along in terms of abortion, for instance. That's just not within their job description. That's them playing king, playing uh, little king in a, in a big state or something. I mean, this is not them following their job. And DeSantis, as the governor, who does have more power, is doing his job by saying, no, state attorney, you have to do the state attorney job or don't do your job. Like, in other words, do your job or leave. And uh, DeSantis has come in and said, Sorry, you're out. We need more of this. This is actually really good. In another clip, just for instance, this uh, particular state attorney even used the Bible to justify closing churches at the height of the pandemic. I know this is an old clip, but I wanted to point it out to you because this is the type of person that we're dealing with. And I, and I think this is actually even a good moment to get from here into the Bible. Putting your parishioners at risk in a time of an emergency like this is not only reckless, but it's illegal. But where people are refusing to obey law enforcement in this regard, you risk being arrested and prosecuted. I'd like to note that things unfortunate that the pastor here is hiding behind the First Amendment. 
One, it's absolutely clear that emergency orders like this are constitutional and valid. Lastly, I'd remind the good pastor of Mark 12:31, which says there's no more important commandment than to love thy neighbor as thyself. Loving your neighbors is protecting them, not jeopardizing their health by exposing them to this deadly virus. Um, yeah, so, so that, that's who we're dealing with in this particular case. And, and I always, I, whenever I come across a person who is quoting the Bible and doing it wrong, I just feel the need to say, hey, that's not actually what it says. We should actually know what the Bible says. And again, I'll say, as I said from the beginning, you don't even have to take my word for it. I've got a Bible here next to me. I've looked at it. I've opened it several times today. You should too. Warren cited the Bible in response, and I know this is way back from March 2020. This is a long time ago. It was a different time and different things are different now, but the fact that someone did it then means someone will likely try to do this kind of thing again. And I want to set the record straight about what the Bible actually says so that when you use the authority of the Bible and you do it wrong, you should think twice about it. So Warren cited the Bible and said, I'll remind the good pastor who was leaving the church open, by the way, Mark 12, 31, which says there's no more important than commandment than to love the neighbor as thyself, which is uh, really the N uh, or the KJV, the King James version of the Bible. Um, but he goes on to say, loving your neighbors is protecting them, not jeopardizing their health by exposing them to this deadly virus. And that's the end of Warren's quote. Um, I'd like to point out he completely misses the point of this and also makes an extension of what loving your neighbor is really without understanding what that is at all. And so we have to go back a couple of verses. He starts at Mark 12, 31. I think maybe we should go back to Mark 12, 28. And by all means, go and read all of Mark 12 if you'd like. There are parallel passages in the other Gospels as well if you want to go and read them. But that's Matthew, uh, Luke, and John. But Mark 12, 28, where teachers of the law, um, sometimes Pharisees, sometimes other teachers of the law, were really angry with Jesus for a bunch of different reasons. They really wanted to trap Jesus because they didn't like what he was saying, because he was causing a stir, and they didn't like that, and these teachers had power, and they had prestige, and they had authority, kind of like this particular prosecutor. And then these teachers really wanted to get Jesus in trouble, and they really wanted Jesus to be kicked out of town by saying something inflammatory, uh, or arrested, or banished, or, as we see, what happens in the story, actually killed. So one of the teachers of the law in Mark 12, 28 comes and says, uh, notice, Jesus had given them a good answer and he said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus responds, the most important one is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Now that's the first commandment and the answer that Jesus gives that is the most important, which comes from... Uh, you can look at it from Deuteronomy. You can look at it from Leviticus. Uh, there, there's a bunch of different places that it, that it comes out of uh, because it is a consistent idea of what it means to worship God and serve him only, like Deuteronomy 6.13. So loving God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, in other words, the Hebraic view and really the correct view is that you love God with everything that you have in everything you do. That's the first and most important commandment. Then Jesus goes on to say in verse 31, love your neighbor as yourself, no commandment greater than this. In fact, he says no commandment greater than these, meaning these two. 
So it's important, but it's also important to get these in the right order, because if you don't get these commandments in the right order, you end up doing weird things with it, like saying love your neighbor means doing whatever I say you should do, or love your neighbor means doing whatever your neighbor says you should do. That's not it. Love your neighbor means loving God and then loving others with the same love that God has loved you with. But you have to love God first. And in order to love God, again, you need to know God, which is why I keep holding up and pointing to my Bible. But the other part of it is that Jesus commands us to do, and Paul tells us we should not give up meeting together in Hebrews. It's really important that we go to church. Sure, there may be points where we can stop things for the general health, but the church should be given the autonomy to do that. When the government comes in and says, no church, you cannot meet for any reason, that's kind of a problem. And it's a problem because the only person who gets to say who is able to come before the throne of God is God. You don't get to, I don't get to, the priest doesn't get to, the pastor doesn't get to. The only place where the pastor or, or may come in and say that someone is not able to do it is if they have committed certain sins where they need to first confess their sins and repent. But that's a different kind of situation than we're talking about here with church discipline, which is not what we're talking about here. So there's a lot to be said about that. And this public official is way off in what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, <laughs> it removes the autonomy that we're given as humans, and it removes the autonomy of the church to do church things. As a reminder to Warren as well, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only, Deuteronomy 6.13 and Luke 4.8 and other places. So who has the authority to tell anyone when and where you can worship? The answer, of course, is only God. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he answered, quoting this verse. This is true, and we must do these things in the right order. And as a point of contention to Warren, especially from this latest issue on abortion, I would say killing babies is not loving God or neighbor. So this state attorney, who won't prosecute crimes related to abortion, seems to have a different view of justice than this constitution, the state of Florida, and definitely a different view of justice than God. So that seems like a good place to end with the Bible. When Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days, for 40 nights without food, he was tempted by the devil. There's a lot of temptation going around these days. The devil in Luke 4 tells Jesus that he, Jesus, can have authority over all the kingdoms of the world. The devil shows Jesus basically all the kingdoms of the world and says, you can have authority over all of this if Jesus will just bow down and worship the devil. Jesus' response from Deuteronomy 6.13 is what we have here. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Whether you are at work or at home or at school or anywhere, you're going to be tempted. And like Jesus, we have to remember to worship God and serve him only. Luke 4.8. So, I hope that is helpful to you. If it is, give a like, give a share, give a, send this to somebody else. If it is, if not, just burn it and crush it and then throw your phone out the window because you don't need it anymore. God bless, as always, for Church Public. I'm Ed Odegaard, and keep the faith.